Welcome back to 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. I'm Pat Sharp here with my awesome co-host, Tucker the Dog and Carson Woodell. Carson, how are you today? I am doing very well, very well. I uh, It's a crazy day. I know me, me and you have both been um, at it a lot with work. It's it's picked up for both of us, um, but I think we're, we're doing a good job of maintaining uh, everything else with that. So um, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, so we didn't have an episode last week on th- or Friday. We're recording this and putting this out early in the week this week because Carson is going on a work trip and to Connecticut for what four or five days? Uh, three. Yeah, I'm flying out tomorrow afternoon, and then I'll be back on Friday, uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. I've never been to Connecticut before, so cross that off the list. Uh. But this was kind of a last minute thing, so Pat was able able to uh, move and and flex his schedule to have me come over and and do this because we did not want to go another week without recording. So this definitely worked out. Yep, the beauty so, of our jobs and our schedules. We are very fortunate. Yep. And before we get into it, real quick, uh, if you're uh, whatever app you're listening on, please give us five stars. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. Last week, our last episode, I introduced our new segment, Alcohol in the News. We're going to do that today. Uh, I have one quick one, and then I actually found a story that we're going to probably do the rest of the episode on that will be very interesting to talk about. The f- first story we're going to get into, though, I found a list, and it ranks the top 20 countries on alcoholism. Nice. Based on alcohol use disorder. So we're going to play a little game with Carson. Bring it on. And have him guess. See what? First question. What number do you think the United States comes in at? I'm going to say we come in at number 12. Uh, No. Number six. Mm. I almost said seven. Damn it. So close. Man, we're up there. Yeah. I'm not surprised, but still. And can you guess what countries are ahead of us in the top five? Mm-hmm. Um, so off the top of my head, I would go Russia. Russia's number two. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's a there's probably some random ass country in there that um would not come to mind. I'm gonna say Australia. No, I'm gonna give you a hint though on the rest of them. Think Eastern Europe. I was getting there. I was getting there. Um, so we're going to go Latvia. Yep, they're number four. <laughs> Slovenia. They're number five. <laughs> Lithuania. Nope, they're not. Well, uh, they might be on the list. They're not in the top five, though. Estonia. Nope. I wonder if it's a... Uh, this might be a dumb question. Are the Scandinavian countries are those considered? Those are Eastern. No. They're no okay. They're but they you're not considering. No. Okay, you're missing number three and number one. Is Germany Eastern enough? No, it's kind of like in the middle. It's it's Western. Europe. Is it what Germany is yeah. okay? Well, I was just thinking of the UK and all that. Um, one of them. They're I all so they're all in Eastern Europe. Yeah, all, all we, those five. One of them for sure borders uh, Ukraine. I know that. I'm I'm having a hard time figure. I, it's on the tip of my tongue. So I, the I can't two, figure it out. So the two you're missing are Belarus mm. and Hungary's number one. Mm. 
So the top five is Latvia, or sorry, Slovenia, Latvia, Belarus, Russia, and Hungary. And the United States is number six. That's interesting. It's all in a very condensed area of the world. It is. And then, um, so the rest of the top, so number six is the United States, seven, South Korea, eight, Poland, which is in Mm -hmm. that same area, Mm -hmm. nine, Estonia, 10, Slovakia. Interesting. 11th, Austria, which is over the, and then 12th, Lithuania. Good Lord. 13th, Sweden. 14th, Ivory Coast. 15th, Switzerland. 16th, Togo. I don't even know where that is. What is it? Togo, T-O-G-O. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Finland, Peru, United Kingdom, and Lebanon. Interesting. Wraps up the top. I thought it, I thought that there would be at least one um like island country that was in there. I I was gonna throw out Cuba. Uh I mean it doesn't really matter, but that that is okay. That's that's interesting. Here's what it says about the United States. Alcohol's mis alcohol misuse and alcoholism remains the third leading cause of preventable death in the United States. These deaths can be attributed to alcohol-related health conditions like liver disease, liver cancer, and heart disease, as well as alcohol-related accidents and driving while intoxicated. Mm. The U.S. ranks sixth among countries with the highest rate of alcohol use disorders. Okay. So interesting. I I always find lists fun to do and um, to read about that. That was on Yahoo, if anybody wanted to go. Well, so... Number one, I was going to say, if if we have any listeners that are from there or have lived there or have any context around that, we'd love to hear. Um, if you have anything, I mean, I do live in the United States and we are number six and I don't really have that much to say about it other than, I mean, it's a problem. Um, and that's what we talk about all the time. I do have a really good friend of mine. We actually do have uh, listeners in Hungary. Love you guys. Hungary. Who's number one on this list, so. Yeah. No, yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. And again, I mean, I know there there might not be really much to say about it, but if you, you know, if you do, we'd love to hear. Um, yeah, no, I have a, I'll talk to my friend. Um, I have a good friend of mine who we actually met in our treatment program and his, um, he's lived here his whole life, but his family is, they are Latvian. Um, so I'd, uh, I'd be curious to see if he had any context around that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But that's, I love stuff like that and like the rankings. It doesn't have to be alcohol related, but it, that's always fun. So that's uh, that was a good share. It's a good share, Pat. Yeah, I just happened to find it when, you know, I Googled alcoholism this time instead of just alcohol. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we dive into, Pat found a great article. I think that it's, I mean, it's relatable on many fronts, but we'll get into that in a moment. One thing I wanted to um, mention real quick is, you know, so I was talking about a work trip of mine Pat and I have certainly discussed in the past on on previous work trips and and kind of what I had planned on doing and and the the, the appropriate measures that I put in place um, to prevent any uh, any sort of slip up. Um, but I'm actually not going to talk about myself and my trip. But I do have a great friend of mine. Um, she is uh, she's about to embark on her first work trip since getting sober. So her and I we met in the treatment program the second time around. Um, she is coming up on nine months sober and she works. Congratulations. For a, if you are listening to this, congratulations, Nicole. Okay. We she keep, gave the, okay. To she get, she gave the, okay. She said, oh yeah, say my name. I was like, oh, all right. Okay, cool. 
we will keep it anonymous for anybody who <laughs> never doesn't doesn't want us to say their name. So, anyways, Nicole is a champ. We um we were we were talking yesterday, and again, first work trip. Uh, she's going to Vegas. So, for the love of God, you're just you're getting you're going to like a prime location for all kinds of bad things to happen right off the bat. So, you know, hats off to her. She 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 did a lot of she's taken a lot of appropriate you know steps to to put her in the right mindset, but also really just uh, things on the daily that can that can help her go in and have a successful trip without without drinking or doing anything because she's with a company that I mean first of all you're going to Vegas, but second of all the company not only is putting them in that place but also they have all kinds of events that are scheduled. She she was telling me happy hour is already scheduled, you know, every single day. That is before going out on your own, you know, to hang out with your coworkers, right? That's all on, that's not on the company dime, most likely. That is kind of separately. But when you are pretty much obligated to attend an event with your company um, that's surrounded by drinking, I mean, that just makes it even harder. And so she was pretty worried about that. But what were you going to say? Not finish oh, your I thought. thought you were going to say something. So all that to say, I, would, I wanted to walk through a, a few things that she's doing. And and I just, I, I got so excited when she told me this, because one of my things is I understand going into something thinking, all right, I can't drink, I can't drink. But for, at least for me, I like to shift my mindset and and not be running away or trying to avoid something, but going towards something, i.e. going and and having the best, most productive work trip that you can, that you, you can possibly have, um, attend the, the, you know, the breakout sessions and get something out of it. If you have a presentation, make that the best presentation that you've ever done to really, uh, you know, wow your coworkers and, and your superiors or whoever your, you know, potential partners. Um, so what she's doing is number one, she, she's like, all right, I got, she actually bought some new outfits, but she's like, I have like the best business attire in her words. I'm going to look like a boss bitch. I said, awesome. Love that. She goes, this is really nerdy, but I bought something um, that's going to really encourage me and get me excited to take more notes. Um, so she bought one of those. I, I don't even know what it's called. I don't know who the make is, but it's one of those electronic like note takers. It's, it's super nice. And you, you know, you, you, you write on, you write everything out and you, you, you know, can save it digitally or whatever. She's like, so I'm gonna be carrying this around. And I said, well, number one, I don't think that's nerdy, but also too, the older I get, I like nerdy. I think it's cool. I think it's 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 fun to learn. And if that gets you excited, then by all means do that. I think it's great. I think when you when you get something or you buy something to encourage yourself to do the right thing and to be productive, that that is such a good path to take. Um, and then she she booked a spa day uh, for or, or like for her off time, right? She. So she's filling gaps with productive or self-care um, things that she can do. That is number one, not drinking. And number two, it's something that she can look forward to. Uh, so all that to say, I just wanted to share that because again, I was really proud of her. It, it's exactly 100% what I believe you should do as a professional um, going into a work trip, especially in Las Vegas, uh, where everyone around you is going to be getting shit-faced. Well, I've been on those trips and I know how it goes and it is tough, but it is doable and i think a lot of people use work trips like they look at that going to vegas and for them it's more about going to vegas and less about working and absolutely to put, to put work first 
one is going to benefit her in her career and she's going to get more out of the trip than anybody that's going there just for the party reasons. You have an upper hand. I also, for me, when I've experienced doing things sober that I used to do drinking, uh, for example, like her going on work trips, I'm sure she used to love drinking on work trips. Mm -hmm. When I experience things now that I used to do when I drank and I, I find I found it much more enjoyable doing them sober and it gives a completely different perspective. So I have a feeling she's going to one, learn some things about herself and two, uh, really find the whole experience very uh, rewarding and positive. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. There, There's a lot more to get out of Vegas, even though it may not seem like it. Um, it's It's one of the food capitals yeah. of the United States. It's It's got luxur luxuries everywhere, beautiful hotel. Like, you, there's so much enjoyment to be had that doesn't involve all of that other shit. I um, also think, too, when you do something like that for her going to Vegas and for a work trip, and um, I'm sure she's stressed about it mm -hmm. and thinking about it. And then let's say, you know, once she gets through it, gets back home, and it's another step in the another step in the recovery process. It's another, if I can do this, I can do anything type deal. Hundred percent. And so, the more of those events you start checking off, the stronger you feel. Especially if you're work, you know, you got to continue always work your program and things like that. But you know, anytime I do something, anytime I go somewhere or do something that I used to always do only drinking. And I do it sober. And like I said, I find it, you know, a lot more fun, more rewarding, you know, and it's just like you start looking at it and saying, I can literally do anything I want. I'm not held back by anything. Alcohol isn't controlling my life anymore. And it's a freeing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You, you certainly have an upper hand uh, from a professional standpoint. I'm not saying, you know, everyone who drinks is going to end up being an idiot, but I just think that there's something about, you know, surrounding yourself in that environment for however long you're at that happy hour. I do think that you need to limit your time. Um, don't push it. Um, but sure, attend those meetings if you feel like you can uh, with that, you know, while abstaining. Um, but have good conversations. Talk to the right people. Say your piece. Um, let them do their thing. And then you call it a night when it's appropriate. Do your, you know, go have fun in your hotel room or go see something. I don't really know what there is to see in Vegas. I, you know, I've been there. I've never been. I, so it's in a valley with beautiful mountains surrounded, but you can't get to it. But you get my point. And, and so I, like I said, was super proud of her. I can't wait to hear about it. I know she's going to kill it. And she actually flies home on her nine month, which I thought was hilarious uh, and very, um, I don't know what the word is, but I just, I felt it was appropriate. Yeah. I also <laughs> think it's for her, you know, make sure she has people that she can call, um, you know, if something does get tough, mm -hmm. things like that, too. Make sure there's some backup plans there. And because it, it seems like she's taking the right steps beforehand. But while she's there, if things get hairy, reach out to people, you know, have your support system set in place and, and let them know, hey, I'm going to be traveling for a work trip, going to Vegas. You know, if I need anything, I'm going to call. And because anybody that's in recovery is going to pick up that phone and um, be very willing to, to speak with her. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nicole, go kill it and just know that you have a bunch of support. And that includes everyone listening to this, uh, which you better be one of them. So, 
now let's go ahead and jump into this thing that you found, Pat. Yeah. So I found a, a really good article. It's from the, I think it's a newspaper. I, I don't know for sure. It's called the chronotype. Uh, your area, your rich, I'm sorry, your Rice Lake area newspaper since 1874. I have no idea whether it's somewhere in Wisconsin. And the website is apg-wi.com. The name of the article is how alcoholism derailed former Wisconsin running back Monty Ball's football career. And a couple of things about that. I'm going to preface before we get in there. Um, just some background information. Monty Ball was a running back for University of Wisconsin. I don't know, 2011 through probably yeah. 2000. No, probably earlier. I think, he, than I think 2008 gra- to through 2012. Yeah, I think tw- I think 12 was when he was um, drafted. I'm pretty sure he went to the. He was a a very very good uh, college football player, all American. Went to the NFL. I think he was drafted in the second round, and I know is either his second or third year in the league. He was projected as the number one um, in fantasy football leagues, and and just because we're talking about football, we're not going to talk about football this episode. It's just a little bit we'll, about. We'll him. spare you. He was projected as, uh, or he was in fantasy leagues, generally the number one player taken, and things didn't turn out for him. He just kind of disappeared, and I haven't heard about him since I don't know, probably 2014, 2015. Yeah, he lot, just was people, out of the people league. People disappear in, in all kinds of leagues, and you never know why. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe they just weren't good enough, and and they kind of just fizzle out, and then you forget. Unfortunately, and then you find out that he is the reason he had such a short NFL career and, you know, he was supposed to be great. Everybody expected him to be great. And one of the reasons he wasn't is uh, he has this disease that we all have called alcoholism. Very interesting article. And I will be quoting some stuff in here. The, uh, let me shout out the authors, uh, Sarah Istrad and Anna Pras. Forgive Pat. Anna Pras, Maha Pastra, Ma. Uh, Pastra, do you want me to do it? <laughs> Dude, here, Carson, he read those. All right, I got this. Jesus. <laughs> you sure? Sarah Eichstad and Anupras Mahapatra. Yes, those I, are the... I can guarantee you I didn't... I, I did I did I, better than Pat. Yeah, we apologize for... We, we do apologize. Those uh, are just tougher names to yeah. say. Anyways, I'm going to start out because two things I want to bring up in this is, is one, when you're a an athlete, you have a lot of pressure on you too. Um, so college, we've talked about this before is everybody just expects, you know, you go to college and you drink. And then this article says balls, collegiate career brought him and his family to Wisconsin home to a drinking culture. That was tough to fight. Wisconsin's number one in alcoholism Mm -hmm. and and, and you want to look at, I remember we talked about that number one state. Yep. And it says, and then this is a quote from Ball. The drinking culture here was a cultural shock. We all know where the school is ranked when it comes to partying. Coming onto campus wide-eyed, ready to hit the ground running, I did not prepare for those stressors. The warning signs appeared in his time at the at University of Wisconsin-Madison, but, um, you know, he says he neglected them. Just, he goes, um, some of the red flags that I ignored was uh, one of the things he said that he did to hide his alcoholism while at college was 
Um, he jogged extra miles and skipped meals to prevent noticeable weight gain of uh, putting it on, which is crazy. And, you know, I, I do want to go into one thing with kids going back to school. Um, a lot of kids are going back to college right now, and it is such an environment of unhealthy drinking behaviors. It's all about binge drinking, um, and it's just accepted as a kind of a way of life there. It's it's like a form of communication almost. I mean, I just think about my years in college, and that's it's literally, it's ironic because it's the only thing I remember, even though Lord knows how much I forgot, but I mean, I, I, I did enough to get by, uh, I'd worked my, you know, part-time job and did my internships and yada, 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 but it was all about the drinking. It was all about what are we doing next? Um, and it's, it's everywhere. It's literally just about every single college and you think, oh, well, you know, there are some colleges that have it prohibited. Please. Every, every human being that wants to drink, especially from the ages of 18 to 22, they're going to drink. Yeah. You can't stop it. At an unhealthy level. It's an unstoppable force. And I, I want to quote this in the article real quickly uh, because I, I think this is something that any alcohol alcoholic can relate with. He said, I literally would never sacrifice the bottle for my dream. And I lost my dream. Mm. End quote there. So that in itself shows you how freaking powerful this stuff is. Yeah. And that you literally are willing to that's what we mean when we say alcohol doesn't discriminate it'll go mm-hmm. after anybody and it is powerful enough to take down a dream job where you're making millions upon millions of dollars a year you know we've all gotten that point to that place where you don't care anymore you don't care that you're broke you don't care that you it doesn't matter that your relationships are severed you just don't care you care only about drinking yeah the the dependence becomes so heavy and so taxing on you that it's all you can think about and and i mean not to say necessarily that a professional football career is more important than a regular no the mill job absolutely however i do think that it is worth noting that i mean this guy because i i vaguely remember him in college and he's a he was a stud and he was looking at a potential of fame, glory, all the money that he could possibly fathom. And not to mention he loved football. Like that was his dream. It was his passion on top of all of that. And he, he, was, he was willing to throw it away because he was not in his right mind because that is how powerful alcohol is. Yeah. And you got to think from living that dream to spending, he spent 60 days in jail. Um, eighteen month uh, probation. So then he was he was released on bail, but later found a bail jumping. Visited a bar while he was out on bail, which was prohibited. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote up for that, and, and even so, even after all that, he lost everything, and he still went back. Now I can guarantee. Well, I can't guarantee anything. However, I would I would have to imagine that it was one of those things. Well, I'm already here. I've already lost this. May as well go back to the drink. And to be quite honest, I probably would have done and thought the same exact things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, now he's an advocate uh, speaking out against yeah. the or talk about the dangers of alcoholism. Freaking love that. I love so much that he was able to, despite all of that, get back on track and now use it as 
a a reason to help other people yeah, the art, share a story. That's the article states awesome. that his, you know, when his son was born, um, that's when he he took a big hard look in the mirror and uh, realized, hey, uh, shit, I need help, and so he got help. I and, hear I hear kids will do that to you. Yeah, my, my cats do it for me. So so he uh, he got the help he needed. But now he goes out and speaks about it. It's just, I just found it interesting when you, some of the parts of it about him talking about hiding, uh, his drinking. And, and what's crazy is we, we go to lengths to hide our drinking from people, but we don't realize that's a red flag. We think it's normal. Or yeah. We, we trick ourselves, I should say, into thinking that's just normal behavior, whatever. And not that we have problems. Yeah, a lot of parallels between his situation and, and for instance, me and like mine and yours. I mean, there are just so many similarities because we're all going through such a such a similar thing. And it's he was hiding. It was just a completely different skill. Professional football player. I'm in. Me and you were in sales. Uh, day job. Um, we nobody really knows our names. Blah blah blah. We're doing the same thing. We're hiding it. We're we're engulfed in it. We can't get away from it. And it's doing the same stuff to us as it was doing to him. Yep. And it's. It happens to millions and, and, and millions like he said, it was the most important thing in his life. It was the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there was nothing more important to me than drinking. It's all, it's all, it's all you and I thought about from the the moment that we woke up to the moment that we went to bed, uh, either intentionally or we just passed out because we were too drunk. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I'm glad not to obsess over it anymore. It's it's the most freeing feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. And, you know, it's been long enough now for me that I it's hard to remember exactly, like, how my like, – I don't get how I got through the days ever. And uh, doing the way I did, it was just – It's probably a lot of nothing. Yeah. You know? Just, it, it was work and get done so I can drink. Half-ass work. Probably just and, enough to get by. Um, yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know. And I would, but that was it, you know, get done working and drink, drink, drink. That's all I wanted to do. And anything when I wasn't working, I was drinking. It didn't matter what else I was doing. And I might be doing something, but there was me drinking involved. And, you know, it, it goes to show you that this disease can control anyone, everyone, yeah, I remember the emotional volatility that I went through on a daily basis. It was, you know, wake up feeling like shit. So, you know, first first item on the list was to get get a drink. And then once that happened, there was a brief moment of serenity, a brief moment of relief. All right, we got it. Good to go. And that would last for a little while. And then uh, it started, you know, getting a little tired, pushing through, maybe getting some work done. And then there were scattered moments throughout the day, inevitably, that I would feel sorry for myself. I would be upset. I would think about how I'm going to die. I would think about what happens if I get caught today. Is today the day? I don't know. Um, So wondering if today's the day. Cover it up. Find more. The the, the cycle goes on and on. And it's exhausting. It's no way to live your life. No, it isn't. And you're right about that. Like you, you just the constant anxiety and worry that goes into it and you know i got to the point where i couldn't even i would try to my anxiety would be so bad that um i would try drinking to get 
over the anxiety, but even drinking wasn't even carrying my anxiety for, or wasn't giving me any sort of relief even for an hour or two, like it once was. Um, because I knew I had a problem and I couldn't quit. And I was sitting there like, what am I going to do? Like, I am at a loss for, for what to do. I mean, you get to a point when you're so far into it that there's literally, you are not going to get out of it unless either A, something happens to you or B, well, no, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I would have stopped until I got caught. And if it wasn't that, if my wife hadn't had caught me twice, um, and, uh, I, I would have, and I, you know, we've said this a few times on, on this episode, I've said it a million times just in general, but I would have gotten in a car wreck and possibly killed myself, possibly killed somebody else. I would have been in jail. My liver would have failed me. Something had to happen. And I was incredibly fortunate, despite how terrible it was in the moment. I was fortunate that I was just caught by the person on this planet who loves me most and cares about me. Uh, and I just hope that, you know, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with what we have struggled, you know, with for years and years, I mean, I hope that you can find the, the courage and the strength to make a change before something ends your life, um, ends your career and your relationships, um, because it can be coming any, any time. And I don't say that'd be bleak. It's just the reality. Yeah. And there's so much more on the other side. And if I look back on it, when I was finally, you know, at my wits end and saying, I, I don't know what to do. I can't go any time awake during the day without drinking. Um, and you know, I, I literally just couldn't live without drinking. And so I reached out, got help, and and of course, and you know, I've had a couple of relapses and stuff. But when I look back on where I was when I decided to first get help, and and as bad off as things seemed, it seemed like there was no end in sight. There was no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And I look back on it now, and by working on myself, it doesn't take very long for things to kind of turn around. And life to get better mm -hmm. and to have more of a positive outlook and realize that, you know, I am lucky that I never killed anybody, that I didn't kill myself, that I was never arrested, you name it. And even if some bad things have happened to you, we've talked about this before, I don't think it's ever too late mm. unless you are in jail or prison for the rest of your life or you are, unfortunately, um, alcohol's killed you then it's it's probably too late. But until you're in one of those spots, it's not too late Yeah, to turn things around and change it. I've seen people, again, that have been homeless, that have been jobless, that have had no hope, no family left. Everybody's shunned them, and they've been able to turn it around. They've gotten family members to, you know, it takes time, it takes effort, but, you know, they've gotten jobs, they got houses, they have everything you could imagine to a, a successful life now. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've done a lot of shit, like, you're already here. It's already happened. You can't change it. So what can you do now? What can you do now and going, you know, and go while going forward? It's a blank slate. Yeah, and that's kind of what's frustrating. You've been seeing a lot on the news lately about the uh, homelessness in California. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of that is drugs and alcoholism and, and things like that. And it's just like, as a society out there, it feels like they've just wrote them off saying, well, you know, they're homeless and right. drug addicts and there's just no helping them. And so we'll just let them be. And it's just like, it, they could all turn it around it's, it's with so the right help. The case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's, yeah. It's just a, a lack of either empathy from other people or they truly just don't know. They don't know that it's not, it is literally not over. It, it just requires help and attentiveness I, and care and love. I saw something where it's like, I think California in the last couple of years has spent $17 billion on their homeless crisis, which it has gotten worse over those years. And I'm like, what are they doing with that money? Mm. You give me seventeen billion dollars, I bet you I can uh I can get homelessness to go down a bunch out there. So, by treatment centers for substance abuse, for mental health, for you know, there's all kinds of things that can be done. However, if people that's a problem is, you know, you throwing money at solution or at problems doesn't necessarily work without a plan. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, there's hope for those people if the right steps are put in place. Just throwing a bunch of money at a problem doesn't necessarily work if you're not using that money that benefits them with what they truly need, which is, you know, therapy, um, interventions, just mental health, learning to become humans again and reintegrating them with society, work, jobs. Things like that, and they can they can all get it back. Yeah, maybe we're naive, but I think the a lot of these solutions are, in theory, a lot simpler than it seems to be being made. But you know, what do we know? I mean, I just I've seen people that have been living on the streets that are no longer in that case. You know, and you mm -hmm. wouldn't even know you you talk to them now and. You would not believe that they were ever homeless. Yeah. And that they were, you know, living in a homeless encampment. And you know what I mean? So, yeah, it, well, it's funny. It's not funny, um, but it's interesting because, you know, life can happen in, in so many different ways. And for certain people, they don't necessarily fit the mold of what you think a homeless person would be. But, you know, maybe life crashed down on, on a financial stamp, you know, from a financial standpoint as opposed to something else. And so that's why they're homeless. And then they, you know, I don't know. I'm That's kind of a, a weird tangent I just got right. on, but I, I saw that. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I just, I've been looking at things like that lately. In regards to a lot of it is substance abuse and mental health. And I think we can do more for our citizens that deal with that stuff yeah. than we do. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, uh, Carson, enjoy your trip. Thank you. We're going to wrap that up. If you want to ask us any questions or comments or anything like that, you can email us at 12 ounces sobriety pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Are we still on threads? Is that still a thing? We are still on threads. Okay. At 12 ounces of sobriety podcast. Hungary, we want to hear from you. Just yeah. a reminder. You're number one on the uh, drunkest uh, or biggest alcohol use disorder list uh hungry with like 26 percent. it says talk to us let's do an interview and that'd be, that'd be cool that'd yeah be fun. yeah absolutely so uh feel free to reach out and we will talk to you guys next week bye